focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. All right, welcome back. This is week six review, week seven preview. This is Processing College Football, college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. We have Mark Catlin here, my college football mentor, and I am Jason Randazza, his college football protege, uh, Mazda protege. Every week we process the highlights of the college football world, and I make Mark explain everything I don't understand, which this week is nothing, Mark. I understand everything. You understood it all. Except, except tell me how you're doing. Oh, I'm doing great, man. Uh, it was a yeah. good weekend in college football. Uh, didn't have the greatest picks in the world, but, you know. No, but it was. Whatever. It made it interesting. It if fair. you picked all the games right, it wouldn't be worth watching. That's You'd be like, true. well, I knew how this was going to go. Uh, anyway. But it's good to know um, that you now know everything. I've, I've officially done everything. my job. That's right. The podcast is over. Thanks yeah, for seeing you guys. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, we have fans that we need to support. Um, well, maybe not fans, but we have listeners. Um, in any case, if you have questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to discuss or terms you want us to define, send them in at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. So uh, I guess we should just get started. You know, the sun is bright. Uh, the air is crisp. It's it's time to add another layer. Fall is here. Uh, let's get into our week six review. Let's do it. All right. So first, we're going to talk about the uh, Red River shootout or the Red River rivalry or the Red River showdown, whatever you want to call it's it. It's rivalry, is- Jason. Shootout is not appropriate. <laughs> it is Texas versus Oklahoma. Uh, Texas coming into this game ranked number 19 against number 7, Oklahoma. Oklahoma was favored by 7.5 points. Score ends at 48-45 Texas. All right, so let me just say, Kyler Murray, uh, future center fielder of the Oakland A's, uh, is a force to be reckoned with. He had a 73% completion percentage, 16 yards per throw, four touchdowns, but this was sadly all in the service of a loss. Texas led from about midway through the the first quarter until about just over two minutes left in the game, at which point Oklahoma finished their run of about six minutes of game time, scoring three touchdowns, 21 points to even it out. Um, And it seemed like it was probably going to go into overtime 45-45, but Cameron Dicker, the kicker, uh, hits a 40-yard field goal to win the game, basically. They gave the ball back to Oklahoma with, like, nine seconds left, which was not quite enough time, as good as he is, for Kyler Murray to pull one out. Uh, and, in fact, Oklahoma fumbles on this last play in Texas for covers to end the game officially. But uh, it was a very interesting game. Uh, it's not quite the back and forth we were expecting, but there were a lot of points thrown up in short periods of time. Uh, what did you think about this game? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, Texas the past couple of weeks has really uh, shown that they're maybe better than the opening loss to Maryland would uh, lead one to believe, like myself. Um, sure. And, you know, I, I, but the problem is, you know, uh, the conversation of Texas being back perhaps with this win over Oklahoma. 
I'm not too sure. I mean, it's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. And then almost blowing a 21 point, or actually blowing the 21 point lead. Yeah. Uh, late in the game, kind of like whoa, hey. uh, you know, they're not quite back to where Texas wants to be. Um, mm-hmm. But the win over Oklahoma is huge. Uh, I thought heartbreaking loss for Oklahoma to come back at the end and then just to give up the field goal. Um, at the end to lose but uh, i mean so is texas back i don't know they're definitely getting better uh and uh, herman has them on the right track it's pretty heartbreaking for oklahoma and then the question becomes i think uh for the big 12 who is going to come out of the big 12 potentially for the playoff and right now i think west virginia is the only undefeated team crazy uh in the crazy. big 12 and so uh that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out but i I suspect they're going to, with this loss by Oklahoma, they're going to end up beating each other. And you're going to have at least, I think the Big 12 champion will have at least one loss, maybe two, um, given what they have. And so it'll be interesting to see, do they make it into the playoff or not? Um, and so that that's the main significance, in my opinion, for this game, is now what happens to the Big 12 in the playoff. I beg to differ a little bit. Um because I actually think that Oklahoma kind of came out of this with a win because if nothing else, they have a new defensive coordinator. Bye-bye Mike Stoops. <laughs> um, he was, he was, he was solid fired, solid I guess. Point. He was fired for not being a good defensive coordinator, which was surprising to me for two reasons. First of all, it surprises me, given the scores I've seen in the Big 12 uh, these many years, that they were even aware of the concept of defense. Um, but just that basically you could do so poorly in defense in the Big 12 that you could actually get fired. So um, this could be a whole new world for Big 12 football, I think. I mean, it's focusing it is, a little bit on defense. It is interesting. Um, you know, one, to fire defense coordinator, something like in a conference like the Big 12. Um, you know, but I think Oklahoma's looking at it and saying, okay, we've had ridiculous offenses the past two years. And if we had, you know, the semblance of a defense last year, we'd probably beat Georgia and go on to play out. Maybe, maybe they win the national championship. Um, and this year it's like, we can't lose the tech. We can't score 45 points and lose. Right. Um, and we have Kyler. We're kind of wasting this incredible offensive talent we have. Uh, the rest of the Big 12, you know, whatever. It's exciting football. But for Oklahoma, I think they're playing for something bigger maybe. But even that, to fire a coach with the last name Stoops in Oklahoma is is pretty intense. So they must have been, like, pretty, pretty serious about getting better on defense at Oklahoma. Uh, but that'll be interesting. I mean, that could have – you don't know what direction that's going to head. Um, but, yeah, that is – that's a good point as far as the news out of, out of Norman. Yeah, uh, the word around the the rumor mill was that this came from higher up than Lincoln Riley. Well, so. I, mean, I don't think Lincoln Riley has the – he doesn't have the authority, the authority to, to, fire, to fire his fire. defensive coordinator. Not, not, That's really well, sad. Not, not a defensive coordinator with the last name Stoops. Maybe if it, you right. know, if it was Catlin or something, he could do it every once in a <laughs> It's not. Stoops has a, carries a lot of weight around there. And so if Lincoln Riley just went around firing – stoops all over the place it'd be a bad bad day for lincoln uh but yeah i'm sure it came from higher up and bypass lincoln whether he wanted it or not so uh that's enough with that game let's talk 
LSU at Florida. LSU favored by about two and a half points. LSU comes into this game ranked number five. Florida was number 22. Final score here, 27-19 Florida. Uh, So LSU losing this one is probably better for Alabama and their shot at the playoff. But as I was telling you at the start of this game, no one likes to see a successful Florida. Uh, But unfortunately for LSU, this was a a bad weekend for them, not just because of this loss, but the the shine sort of uh, came off of LSU's corndog a bit um, with the Miami. uh, Well, Miami won. But barely against FSU, you know, still considered kind of the bottom quartile of the ACC, despite kind of figuring some things out. And then Auburn suffering another loss, these being two of LSU's kind of signature wins. So perhaps this result isn't that surprising, considering Florida's one loss now looks better, I guess, Um, uh, or at least better than it did a few weeks ago. But. I don't know. LSU played good on defense. Uh, Joe Burrow threw two interceptions, though, and, and I mean, fumbled the, the ball yeah, his, once. His pick six that kind of sealed the game for Florida there at the end. Because uh, LSU could have – they were driving to, to win the game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Number five for LSU being that, ranked that high was, I think, a little bit of a stretch. But there's really nowhere else you could have put him given – where college football is at right now, and it's like I mean it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. Um, they're not the number five. They're not. They shouldn't be number five. But where we are, that's where they were. So I think this loss kind of brings things back into order a little bit. I think now six weeks through the season, we're starting to figure out maybe a little bit more where teams are at. Because I think preseason we just had a lot of teams wrong. Uh, and by we, I mean just kind of everybody who was pr- trying to predict what was going to happen. Um, and so I think the, things are starting to, to work themselves out. And LSU has now dropped down a little bit. Florida's jumped up um, maybe to be where they're, about where they're supposed to be. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I picked LSU just because I didn't think Florida was that good. Maybe they're getting better. And, again, the loss to Kentucky really kind of colored that perception. But, uh, I mean, as I'm going to say later, I think Kentucky looks like a legitimately good football team. You know, they're not great, but they they play good football. Um, and so that loss isn't nearly as bad as it uh, looked at first, even though you, you know, ended the 31-game winning streak against Kentucky. But, um, so yeah, I think this is a huge win for Florida. I don't know, I guess it's a bad loss for LSU, but I think more than that, it's a big win for Florida. The other thing is uh, just the the East over the West and kind of that competition within the SEC, which division is better. The the West is looking maybe not as good as we once thought, and the East is looking a little bit better. So maybe more evenly divided. As you work it down, you got Alabama in the West, you got Georgia in the East, and then as you kind of work down from there, it's pretty evenly matched. I mean, as you know, we're going to talk about the Kentucky Texas A&M game kind of showed that. I mean, it goes into overtime, you know. So uh, it's it's uh, this weekend was an interesting weekend in in a lot of ways. I think college football sort of sorting itself out, but even within the conference within the SEC, uh, things beginning to sort themselves out and East and West finding a a good balance. Uh, so it should be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out. But it's a huge springboard for Florida. Uh, LSU has got got some tough games ahead, so we'll see how 
they'll be able to pull it together for the end of the season. But I do, I, I like the, you know, a little bit of shine off their corn dog for sure. Well, if, I mean, you know, I picked LSU to win this game as well, just because I, I favor corn dogs over jean shorts. But uh, anyway, let's talk Notre Dame going to Virginia Tech. Number six versus number 24, respectively. Notre Dame was a five-point favorite when we previewed it. Final score was 45-23 to 23 Notre Dame. This game looked competitive in the first half, which is when I think I went to bed. Uh, I woke up hoping to see things went off the rails for Notre Dame. Um, and maybe Tech would pull out the win. Uh, but this is the score I w- woke up to. Uh, the, w- the world is a cl- cold place, but uh, Notre Dame now has the best shot. So listen to this. They have the best shot of winning out and going undefeated this season uh, with a 39% chance. This is according to the recently posted 538 Magic, I don't know, playoff calculator or whatever. They had this last year, and they just came out with it this week or the week before. Um, other things about this game, I don't know. Ian Book... He, he's still looking very good, completing over 70% of his passes uh, for 271 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Did you did you watch this game? I didn't get to watch much of it, but this is uh, essentially what I expected. I was a little surprised that Virginia Tech was even in the game for the first half. But, I mean, I think the change of quarterback, especially for Notre Dame, uh, really, really changes thing. Apparently, they were a good quarterback away from being a legit team as well, and here they are. <laughs> um, <and> so <laughs> That's right. they, they just had one on their roster. They, they just weren't playing them. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I I think Notre Dame is going to win out. Uh, I think they'll be in the playoff, and uh, you know, whether or not it ends up like they get in the playoff and end up playing Alabama, and it turns out like the last time they played Alabama in a, in a, for a championship. Um, We'll see, but but they, it feels a little bit similar to that. But it I does. think they'll run out and get to the playoffs, so we'll see. Yeah, because I was looking at this game, and the production in this game, time of possession, most everything actually, like, everything looked even on paper. Like, the total production, I think, for Notre Dame was, like, 438 yards, and Virginia Tech, it was, like, 441. So everything looked even but the score, so meaning I guess Notre Dame was just able to do more with the ball when they had it, which I guess is how you win games, right? Uh, But this really makes me think that a team like Virginia Tech, uh, who really isn't that good, it's been revealed, uh, but they're roughly keeping pace with Notre Dame in a lot of the metrics. I mean, what does this mean for Notre Dame when they face an actual elite team? Uh, Is this just Notre Dame, they like play to the level of their opponent, or they just going to buckle when they face a top-ranked team no, I mean, uh, like an Alabama or, or Ohio State or UAB? I think um, this year there's a, there's a lot of mediocre football teams, like a lot of them. Um, and then there's a couple of elite teams. Um, and I think Notre Dame is kind of at the upper crust of the mediocre football teams. And, but that's almost everybody. And so any week, right, I mean, so Texas can beat Oklahoma. So it's like, I mean, but these teams are ranked very highly because there's just a lot of okay college football teams. I think Notre Dame's one of them. But this year, that means you can get to the point out and get to the playoff. Um, but then it, when you run into one of the few elite teams in that playoff, yeah, unless they really develop and get better, I think it's, it's not going to go well for Notre Dame. But I do think they're going to win out. And this year they're one of the – one of the top four teams in college football. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes for them. 
So let's talk Kentucky at Texas A&M. Kentucky was ranked in this game, number 13. Texas A&M was not, uh, but A&M was favored by about a, a touchdown. Final score of this game was 20 to 14 Texas A&M. Uh, this is also a win which helps Alabama because the Texas A&M will now be restored to a potential signature win, I guess, should Alabama not go undefeated through the playoff. Uh, but I, I think like most people in America wanted to see Kentucky continue to win. Um, unfortunately, I think this is, this is, this reminded me a little bit of the Penn State game against Ohio State because this was another one of those situations where it kind of came down to the wire at the end and the team fails to put the ball in the hands of their most talented players. So we saw it with Trace McSorley uh, and they they didn't give it to him to like throw the ball late against Ohio State. And this week we saw it with Benny Snell. They did not hand it off to Benny Snell in overtime and they lose. And I mean, to be fair... Benny Snell was not doing particularly well. Uh, I think he only ran for like 60 yards on 13 attempts, um, and he had one fumble. But no part of Kentucky's offense was was clicking. I think they had less than 200 yards of total offense, um, and I think Benny Snell had the best chance to do something with it. And that, and when it came down to it, they just I guess didn't trust him, uh, and it was kind of sad to see because uh, I don't think they should have lost this game, but. Yeah, oh, well. I think, I mean, yeah, I think you do have to put the ball in the hands of your best player at the end of the game. Um, and that's Benny Snell. No matter how he's been, he really even been playing during that game, He's he gives you the best opportunity to win. Uh, and so I think you're right about that. But uh, this is a really interesting, low-scoring game. Um, and Sex A&M's defense really held Kentucky in check. Uh, and so that was pretty impressive and maybe a little more encouraging for Alabama. Uh, we scored 45 on them, although our offense isn't really lacking, I don't think. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not a ton more to say about it other than I, I'm with you. It would have been nice to see Kentucky to continue to win. Although, you know, I, I thought maybe Kentucky was the legitimately the second-best team in the East. Um, even though they've beaten Florida, uh, by the end of the season, I think maybe Florida's better. But the top of the East looks like Georgia, Kentucky, and Florida. So um, and that's a pretty strong, strong top, I think. All right. Well, uh, here's hoping Kentucky's the remainder of their season looks good. Uh, if they could beat Georgia, that would probably be, That'd be uh, helpful to us. Pretty incredible. <laughs> that I mean, if they win out right and they beat Kentucky, then uh, they they're in the the SEC championship game, right? You mean if Kentucky wins out and beats Georgia, is that what you're, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. For sure. That, that would be incredible. All right. Uh, but moving on, we don't have time for hypothetical rabbit holes right now. We have to talk about number one ranked Alabama, a uh, 35-point favorite at Arkansas. Alabama did not cover the spread again, 65-34, to 34, as if they're doing it to mock us. No, to mock Game me, got out sure. of hand early. Alabama led 21-0 to zero, less than 10 minutes in. Uh, this is another game in which Tua did not throw a single pass in the fourth quarter, and he still managed to throw for 334 yards and four touchdowns. And I think the really remarkable thing here is that was only on 10 completions. So he was 10 of 13 for all 334 of those yards. Uh, the results of this game were not exactly a surprise, I guess. Of course... You know, we knew Alabama was going to blow the doors off of Arkansas. What's a little curious, though, is how much Arkansas was able to do. 
uh, Ty Story, which is Arkansas's quarterback. I had never heard of him. He threw for <laughs> 230 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, there hasn't been a lot this season to doubt about Alabama, but the issues in Alabama secondary, which we talked about at the beginning of this season um, that we discussed, this is kind of what we were talking about. And to make matters worse, you and I were t- texting earlier about how uh, Trevon Diggs, uh, their first string corner cornerback was injured and is out for the season. So uh, this sort of thing hopefully is not, but maybe just a sign of, of things to come. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, offensively, Tua had great stats. And there are a couple of deep throws that he completed, but, I mean, the that first touchdown to Irv Smith Jr., Irv Smith took that most of the way. It was a short completion that he – you know, took down the sideline for 75 yards. Uh, he did that again. Um, later, we caught kind of a, a crossing pattern. Jerry Judy caught a ball coming across the middle and then just outran everybody on Arkansas's defense. He looked very fast. Uh, and so a lot of those yards, the reason they're so long is not just because, I mean, Tua delivers a ball in kind of the perfect spot, which allows him to run in stride, all that kind of stuff. But, man, what the weapons on the outside, wide receiver, tight end, are able to do once they get the ball is really what makes this offense so next level um, is they turn uh, an 8 to 10 yard pass and a 75 yard touchdown and so it's pretty amazing to watch at this point what Alabama's offense is is, is able to do um, and Damian Harris looked better I think than he's looked you know he had over 100 yards uh, he was kind of the main bell cow at running back and that was kind of fun to watch um so it was fun to see the offense kind of get clicking. The other thing on offense that was really exciting, in my opinion, is seeing Tua and Jalen on the field at the same time. I was just going to say, yeah. Um, and so that was uh, that was fun. And I think you know the story afterwards, uh, there were a couple of interviews, but they just said, yeah, Arkansas's defense just looked totally confused and freaking out about what was going to happen. Uh, and rightfully so. I mean, especially as Jalen is, I think, clearly now developed as a passer. Um, you just have no, no idea what's going to happen. Uh, Jalen could run the ball. He could throw it. He could throw it to two. He could then throw it back to Jalen. He could throw it to somebody else. I mean, it's just uh, kind of an endless number of formations and possibilities that you have with that. And so Saban said after the game he they wanted to do more, but uh, the way the game went, they just either didn't have to or didn't want to or whatever. But I think I was very excited because Saban had said, you know, we're going to use Jalen's skill set. We're going to find a way to utilize that for the good of the team. Up to this point, to me, it sounded like coach speak so that he could get Jalen to stay. Um, but now it looks like they've actually been working on packages where Jalen and two are on the field at the same time to use Jalen's running ability, all that kind of stuff. And so I think as that develops, there'll be some pretty pretty amazing stuff to be able to pull out of the hat um, with Jalen and two on the field at the same time. So here's what I want to ask, though, is because I – I had never really heard of this as a concept, but has any team done this uh, for more than like a play or two, like put two quarterbacks on the field? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I mean, I don't know um, if it's really, usually a two quarterback system is one quarterback goes in for a couple of plays, another quarterback that, you know, you kind of swap out plays, you're on the field at sure. the same time. Now, I mean, interestingly, just because I happen to be in Princeton, New Jersey, the Princeton football team, they'll have two or three quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Um, 
And <laughs> That's why they have all those national titles. <laughs> exactly. They've been doing it since, you know, the 1800s. Um, but they, and on a regular basis, and you don't know huh. what's going to happen. I mean, their offense is just insane. It's a lot of fun to watch, and they're they're really good right now. Uh, but that's the only that's the only system I've ever seen or really heard of that uses multiple quarterbacks on the field on a regular basis. Um, so yeah, it, it'll be interesting to watch. And, and I don't think it's going to be all the time, but I think yeah. there'll be a few plays a game where you'll put it out there because I mean, at the end of the day, Jalen's just another weapon in addition to Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Irv Smith Jr. Jalen Waddle. I mean, just the list just kind of goes on. So just like there'll be plays designed for those guys, there'll be plays designed to maximize what Jalen brings to the table. But you know, so offense looks good, six hundred thirty-nine total yards or whatever. Great way to go. But um, I think there are concerns uh, on defense, some pretty major ones. I mean, Arkansas came in. It's not like Arkansas came in with a bad defense and a great offense. They were one hundred eighth. Offense like ranked 108th on offense in the country coming into this game, and they went for over 400 yards. Uh, I think more concerning than the passing numbers are the rushing numbers. They ran for 172 yards. That just doesn't happen against an Alabama team, and that was several people. One guy with over 100 yards, um, and score-wise, if I think we were up 20-14, or we were up 21-7. Arkansas is driving. If they don't fumble on the one and we recover it, it's probably 21-14, and the game, I think, looks uh, a good bit different than what it looked like. And then after they didn't score that, we went up 28-7, and so that kind of creates a big disparity. But, I mean, our defense was opportunistic in turnovers. We had an interception return for a touchdown, all that kind of stuff. Those aren't always going to be there. Good teams aren't going to fumble at the one-yard line and <laughs> give the ball to us. Um and so I think there's big concerns on defense. And I think it really is in the secondary, not only in the passing game where there seems to be some blown coverages with the young defense that doesn't quite understand um, all the time uh, what the offense is doing, and so they mix up coverages and things like that. But one of the things we're missing, I think, is uh, the run support that the secondary provi- has provided pretty consistently for these Alabama defenses. If you think about last year, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, Ronnie Harrison, absolute monsters when it came to run support on defense. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Harrison would come in, and especially like outside sweeps and things like that, he would would just drill people. He was huge. He was strong. Run support is basically getting in the way of people who are trying to target your running back. Yeah, run support is – so – we think about cornerbacks and safeties on passing plays, defending the pass. But yep. when it's a run, they also need to defend the run. Obviously, they're still on defense. Um, and so Mika Fitzpatrick and Ronnie Harrison were amazing at also defending the run, not only the pass. And I think that aspect, when you see a guy come around the edge now, um, you see a guy take the take a handoff, and he doesn't run up the middle, but he goes around kind of to, toward the edge around the line of scrimmage. Than, or around the offensive line, what you used to see is you would see Ronnie Harrison there and uh, immediately, or Mika Fitzpatrick there immediately, or a corner um, there immediately. And this year with that young secondary, I think they're still trying to figure out the passing thing, and so they're a little nervous about that. 
and so they're hesitant to come up and defend the run. And there are just these big gaps when somebody, if somebody gets the edge, our guys simply aren't there. And that turns what would have been maybe a two, three yard gain. It turns it into an eight to ten yard gain. And I think that's where you're seeing all the rushing numbers for Alabama's defense skyrocket. Is the help defense from the secondary isn't there like it's been in the past. Um, and we've always had corners and safeties that could tackle and were there in the gap that they were supposed to fill. And this year, that's that's really lacking. Um, and you could tell that uh, against Arkansas. And so I think that's another another area where the young secondary is affecting us is actually in run defense. I think I agree with most of what I understood. But <laughs> speaking of things that are lacking, why don't we talk about Auburn? Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Number eighth ranked Auburn, or at least eighth at the time, was a field goal favorite over Mississippi State, playing in Starkville. Final score here: twenty-three to nine, Mississippi State. Uh, Nick Fitzgerald, Mississippi State's quarterback, might have run this win into existence. He ran for 195 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, He averaged like seven yards a carry and only passed for about 69 yards. I read an interview with uh, the coach, Joe Moorhead, after this, uh, and he basically said, I decided to take a look at what we're good at, which I guess meant that he did not feel that Nick Fitzgerald was actually good at throwing the ball, so he just gave it to him to run. (laughs) And it seemed to work in this case. So Nick Fitzgerald accounted for about half of the team's total production uh, with just his rushing alone. Uh, And all of Auburn's points came from field goals, which, you know, so much for the hope that Jared Stidham would be kind of the, the QB to return life to to Auburn's offense I guess he was 19 for 38 uh, through the air and 214 yards and this this year's probably not going to get better for Auburn I guess you know looking ahead at their schedule they still have Georgia and Alabama and they have Texas A&M who you know we just talked about probably give them some trouble too Um, yeah I don't know what do you think of this you know I wasn't surprised that Mississippi State won I mean I picked them to win but I was surprised that how they won um, just be Nick Fitzgerald, like you said, running for 195 yards. That's huge. And a lot of that was just quarterback runs up the middle against the sovereign defensive line. That's very good. Um, and then it, it continues to surprise that their, their offense is so, I don't want to say anything too bad, inept. I don't know. It's just that they're, they don't look good, and they're returning a quarterback. A lot of people thought this is one of the best offensive lines in the country uh, coming into the season, uh, like many people thought about Wisconsin as well. But and it just hasn't really materialized into much for Auburn. Um, and so this loss is bad. I think it, you know, it takes them out of the college football playoff conversation. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, they've got a lot to work on. Yeah, I saw a lot of, uh, on my Facebook feed, saw a lot of fire gust chants. And, uh, yeah, stuff, I have so. some news about that. And that maybe they so, maybe a little GoFundMe news. <laughs> that is a really ambitious GoFundMe because for anyone hoping that Gus Malzahn uh, and his seat might be starting to heat up a little bit, you should know that it would cost Auburn $32 million to fire him this year. Um, so I guess just settle in if you're an Auburn fan. You'll be riding the Gus bus for a while longer. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not happening. Not this year. I don't know what it is next year, but $32 million. That's a lot of money. That would be a lot of money. And and who are they going to hire? I don't know. Coaches get paid a lot these days. I don't know if Chip Auburn Kelly might that. be looking for a job after this Chip season. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Frost. <laughs> Scott Frost. <laughs> all right. All right. That's about all I have to say about this game. Let's talk UAB at La Tech. Mm. Uh, UAB were nine point uh, dogs on this one. Final score twenty eight to seven. UAB once again. Vegas fails to respect the force of nature that UAB is, um, outperforming the line that we advertised by like thirty points. Uh, but I guess it's you know just like Taylor Swift says, haters gonna hate, 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 hate. Um, so at this point, UAB is two wins from another bowl. And nine wins from the national title. So, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say other than what T, no, other than what T Swift has already said. <laughs> it's authoritative take. Right? <laughs> she was talking about UAB football, That's, I think. I, but, um, absolutely. I mean, by the time, the, same, the time the song came out, it makes sense. I don't even yeah. know when that was. So I'm just saying. Me either. All right. Uh, so other games we talked about last week, Nebraska lost to Wisconsin, UCLA lost to Washington, although you got the feeling that maybe UCLA was starting to figure things out or maybe that the Pac-12 is just terrible. Um, but in other news, uh, Michigan State lost to Northwestern. I guess the slanting sea is dormant this year. We also had Miami barely put pulling out a win against FSU, their in-state rival. And really there's some question about whether or not FSU actually should have won that game uh given a questionable call of a forward pass versus a lateral i don't know go watch the replay footage and see for yourself it looked like a lateral to me boston college loses another one to nc state who's actually five and oh so far this season uh and arizona state loses another one to colorado another surprise five and oh team so potential playoff contenders there i think um and he says laughing <laughs> I know, it's going to be really embarrassing when NC State makes it in the playoff and beats Alabama in the first round, but we'll see. It'll be truly anyway, astonishing. Um, and then last, we had Iowa State defeating Oklahoma State in Stillwater, 48-42, to a team that put up three against Iowa, which is kind of remarkable because just a few weeks ago, there was a lot of talk about how Oklahoma State was the underrated kind of might be competing for a playoff team that nobody was talking about. Uh, but I don't know. Iowa State's a feisty little team, and they could still ruin Texas this season too. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, – I mean, I'm going to continue to be on the – the win watch for UCLA and Nebraska. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, it's, it's a legitimate possibility that UCLA goes 0 and 12. They don't have a single cupcake on their schedule. It's all power five teams. And so it'll be interesting to see whether or not they can pull out a win. I think their best opportunity is probably against Arizona. Um, yeah. And then Nebraska, <laughs> They'll they'll get a win right against their rescheduled Bethune. If if they can beat Bethune Cookman, yeah, Other, not guaranteed. I mean, so they could UCLA could go winless. Mm-hmm. Nebraska might win one game. Man, that is a rough rough start for our boy Scott Frost and Chip Kelly. So Auburn, be on the lookout. <laughs> All right, uh, are you ready to talk Week Seven? Oh, so ready. Let's do it. It's going to be a whole day of 
team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right, so week seven preview. The first game we're going to talk about is number seven, Washington. A three-point favorite playing at Oregon. This is a 3.30 p.m. game you can catch on ABC or ESPN2. This is actually exciting because this is a Pac-12 game at a time I can actually watch it. So as far as a pick here, I'm going to say just to throw maybe some more chaos into the whole Pac-12 conference, I'm going to have Oregon win this one. Final score, I'm going to put at 28-21, Oregon. Yeah, I think Oregon's going to win this game. I mean, Washington just really hasn't shown me much. No. Uh, and they lost to Auburn to open the season, and Auburn hasn't really proven to be what everybody thought they mm-hmm. were. Um, That's still a little so, bit of overreaction from week one. I appreciate it. <laughs> I am going to go Oregon 31-21. All right. Then let's talk Georgia, number two ranked Georgia, uh, a little over a touchdown favorite, playing at 13th ranked LSU, a 330 330- PM game on CBS. LSU doesn't stand a chance. Uh, they clearly have issues they need to solve, and I'm starting to think that maybe, just maybe now, all right, do not get angry, but I'm starting to think that Ed O is not the greatest coach of all time. So, <laughs> I mean, how can you be when you lose to Florida? <laughs> right. Unless this is part of some, like, really long master plan. Um, yeah, which it probably is. It very well could be. So I, I have Georgia winning this one fairly comfortably, 38-21. to 21. Yeah, I think Georgia is one of the few elite teams in college football. Mm-hmm. Uh, LSU's not. And so I'm going to go uh, Georgia's going to win 35, I don't know, yeah, 35-17. All right. Com- comfortable win. Pretty similar there. All right, let's talk number 12-ranked Michigan. Touchdown favorites at Wisconsin, 7.30 p.m. on ABC is where and when you can catch this. Michigan has the line, but I think people are – I honestly believe this. I think people are a little over-eager to jump on the Michigan bandwagon and a little over-eager to jump off of the Wisconsin ship. So I think Wisconsin wins this game in a close one. 21-20 is what I think. Yeah, this is really hard to pick. I think both teams are just not very good. They're not the worst, I guess, but they're not Mm -hmm. the best. There's a couple of mediocre teams. So I think it'll be very close. I think it'll be pretty low scoring. Um, I'm going to go 17-16 Badgers. All right. Missouri's playing at number one ranked Alabama. Alabama, four touchdown favorite here. 7 p.m. on ESPN is where and when you can catch this one. Uh, Missouri almost certainly has the most adept quarterback that Alabama has played against in Drew Locke so far this season. And with, you know, that green secondary and the, the Trayvon Diggs injury, I don't know. It could be one of the more challenging games Alabama has. Uh, that said, uh, they don't stand to lose, uh, but I'm not sure I have them covering the spread on this one. Uh, by the game's end, I have the score something like 42-24. Yeah, so, I mean, this is the game that I had circled on the schedule before the season started because of our young secondary. I thought this could be the game that if we were to lose one early, this would be it. I don't think we're going to lose because I think Two in our offense is just, it's too much. Even uh-huh. if we get in a shootout, I, 
think Alabama will win. I think our defense is better than Missouri's, although it's not as good as we'd like it to be, or I would like it to be. Um, so I think Alabama's going to win, and I'm going to continue to pick Bama to cover. Okay. I And I'm going to go – this is going to be crazier than picking them to cover. Uh, Missouri, I think, is going to score a lot of points, though. Uh, if Arkansas can score 31 – I think Missouri can score a few points. And so uh, I'm going to th- – I think Tua will play more than he usually does. Maybe he'll sure. throw a pass in the fourth quarter. I'm not convinced Maybe of that, not. but okay. Maybe not. But um, I think Alabama's going to score 72 points. <laughs> All right, love <laughs> it. And Missouri? And I think Missouri will score 31, just like Arkansas. Wow. Okay. All right. That would be really crazy if somehow the SEC became like the Big 12. And they just. Is like, it's, I don't like it. I know. I know. Whatever. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot to pay attention to. I, I used to like be able to cook an entire meal but between scores watching an SEC game. But, you know, like I missed the first 15 <laughs> seconds of a game this year, and there's definitely a touchdown. A touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. Whether um, whether it's you know our defense gives up a seventy five yard touchdown pass, I, a la old miss, or th- whether we we score our first play of the game, either way you're missing yeah. a touchdown. Well, I think I heard that Alabama has scored on their first drive every single game this season. Every game. That's crazy. All right, never. <laughs> let's let's move on. So we have Tennessee playing at Auburn. This is not exactly a ranked versus ranked or anything, but. Tennessee is unranked, obviously, and Auburn fell down to 21, but they're still a 15-point favorite. Noon game on the SEC network. <sighs> Auburn better win this one, and they better cover. I have a lot of questions about Auburn, as I'm sure like many people do, but the question I... The question of will Auburn beat Tennessee is not one I hope I ever ask, at least not anytime soon. So I'm saying Auburn wins 28-10. to 10. Yeah, Tennessee is just very bad. That's um, what I Tennessee. believe, yes. So Auburn wins and they cover. Yeah. Uh, score, I don't know, what it, some sort of difference of 16. Sure. 28 to 12. Okay. Then we have UAB, 16 and a half point favorite playing at Rice, 1 p.m. game on ESPN+. Plus. It's on ESPN+, Plus, which is a $5 monthly subscription service. Uh, that's where all the, the premium best games go. Um, so... Yeah. That's the plus part. Yeah. So I think that I, I'm not going to pick a final score here, but UAB is currently four and one, and at the end of this game they'll be six and one. So that's how much they're going to win by. <laughs> so. I like it. Yeah. Uh, that that's all the games I have to talk about week seven. It's actually a pretty exciting week. I think we stand yeah, to see a lot of things the, shake out. Yeah. I, it's, even though I'm going to be able to watch the Pac-12 game, just don't care. Uh, <laughs> Georgia LSU should be exciting. Michigan Wisconsin not exciting, but it'll be interesting to see who wins and how that plays out. And then it'll be interesting to see whether what our defense looks like against Missouri. So yeah, I think I think there's some there's some exciting things coming coming down the pike here this Saturday. All right. Uh, so if you don't have any other games to preview, I think that is it for this week. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Um, as I say every week, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and a bunch of other places. Uh, please rate and review us. It really helps with our rankings. And we will catch you 
uh, in the week seven lull, I guess. You know what this means, actually? We're halfway through the season. We're halfway through. All right. I'm going to I'm going to play some Sarah McLaughlin and have like a, a a 2018 football montage just looking back on how far we've come, I think. Nice. Yeah. All Maybe right. A little was it was it Green Day that had that song? Sure. Yeah, Time yeah. of Your Life. Yeah. So, sure. that, that's that's the good montage at least it was in high school. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's a window into how old we are. All right. For those who don't know, it's, like I said, mostly just our families listening. Hi, Mom. Um, that's all I got for this week. Until next week, I'll catch you later. See you.